Hello, my name is Mihari Tivoyu. I'm a pianist and this is Quarantine Notes, the podcast in which I have conversations with fellow musicians and artists in general as we experience the huge impact of the current global crisis on our lives. One of the recurring themes that seem to emerge from these conversations and from my own experience in the past weeks is just how much we miss the connection and exchange we usually have with the audience. I have reasons to believe that the most passionate audience members miss it just as much. Although based on a relatively predictable ritual, we prepare for weeks or months, go on stage, aim to present our program in the most convincing, compelling, truthful and beautiful way, while the audience listens in silence and rewards us with their applause. This exchange is in fact much more nuanced than that ritual would suggest. In fact, the energy that a performer can receive from an audience, as well as that which they give, are not replicable in any other environment. Furthermore, I believe that factors such as the whole, the acoustics, the moment of the day even, and the disposition of the audience, which I can feel very well, even though I'm a pianist and I'm not facing the whole when I'm playing, all that can bring about myriad subtle changes to an interpretation. This is why no two concerts are exactly alike. The conductor Sergio Celibidake was vehemently against making records. He would go as far as to consider recorded sound dead and a mere photograph, and he warned of a deafness that sets in by listening to them. While I do not take such a strong view myself, in fact I think of recordings as a slightly different art form than concerts, I couldn't help but bring to mind the figure of Celibidake in these days when my computer screen seems to be inundated with broadcasts of varying acoustical quality that start and stop, 3 seconds of this, 30 seconds of that, an out-of-tune piano here, a malfunctioning microphone there. Indeed, I've made my ambivalent feelings about live streams clear in last week's episode, as well as in this one. However, the conversation with today's guest has made me realize that apart from all these considerations, there is also beauty in the expression of a profound need to keep playing and sharing with people. Valentin Raduciu is active as a soloist, chamber musician, and has been recently appointed principal cellist in the Deutsche Symphonie Orchester. He's an extremely refined, thoughtful, and multifaceted musician who is fascinating to hear perform and engaging to talk to. I have known his partner and now fiancé, Angelica, herself a pianist and music therapist, and a very good friend of mine, for a very long time, uh, as we went to the same school back in Bucharest. A few years ago, I finally met Valentin in person with the occasion of a performance of the Triple Concerto by Beethoven, a memory which I cherish. It was in one of the breaks from rehearsing together that I heard someone improvise jazz on the piano and discovered, to my astonishment, that it was in fact Valentin playing. As a quarantine project, one of a few, as you'll hear later on, he produced, together with Leo Hettich, a screenplay writing student, a short film which touches on the significance of musicians being able to share with people, with an audience, whether they are present in person or behind the screen. The music in the film is, fittingly, a transcription of Schubert's song Du bist die Ruhe, 
in which all parts are played on the cello by Valentin. And now, here is our conversation. Valentin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, first of all. Um, thank you for having me. You, and in, in times when there isn't a pandemic going on, um, you are a, a soloist, you play recitals, uh, you're principal cellist of the uh, Deutsche Symphonie Orchestra, you give master classes, you're very busy. And I'm just curious to hear how do your days look like when all that stops? I feel like I might be just repeating what so many people have been saying so many times um, in these days, but um, maybe it's okay so that everybody feels um, okay with doing so much less uh, because everyone else feels the same. Um, well, they're different i'd i'd say the days are different and there's certain periods where my my where maybe a certain project or a particular activity um, motivates me to work on just one thing for a week let's say um but then sometimes uh, i allow myself to also be much more lazy than usual so i if I look back to the past weeks, I believe it's been waves, ups and downs of being very productive and maybe being more um, relaxed. And so sometimes that project can be something musical, uh, making a recording that can be um, painting the kitchen, something <laughs> I thought is an activity for this time. Um, or to, I don't know, being uh, very enthusiastic about uh, cooking and and being uh, just working in the household. So yes. I'd I'd say there is a certain continuity. Also, um, my fiance, my my future wife, which you also know, Angelica, so that yes. she's introduced to the audience. Um, she uh works in as a music therapist in a hospital in a psychiatric hospital so she uh, has the routine of getting up um rather early and uh, so i do get up with her <laughs> in, in that in that sense i have not degenerated into uh, the, the uh, abyss of laziness or anything like that but um um Yes. yes, so I, I try try to give uh, to to find activities, and as you said yourself in your first podcast, in the beginning I also had a 
one or two weeks where I found it very hard to to touch the instrument, or I, I did, but uh, not with particular enthusiasm. And um, but then, how did you overcome that? Um, I think I overcame it because I was asked to make a, a video, as so many have done from home. But um, it was something for the German uh, television, and um, so it was kind of like a like a job or something. And there was a Arte TV series where everyone that had participated in the past years of uh, the, that that show um, contributed with something from home and. Um, they actually even also paid a, a fee to each one of us. So, because I know this is also a discussion that has been going on, that musicians are offering too much music to to listen to or to videos to watch online without uh, any financial, uh, how do you say, revenue or... Yes, without any way to monetize it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I mean, that was not uh, essential and in that beginning of the, the, the lockdown or stay at home, hashtag stay at home time, <laughs> um, the people hadn't been uh, releasing such videos um, yet. And so, so I discovered that nice little app, a cappella, where you re can make these multi-tracks recordings and um, I wanted to, to record something that is a bit more challenging uh, cellistically and also for, for putting that together. And that gave me motivation to, to practice uh, intensely. So it was a piece by Paganini, so something to literally um, um, demanding in the technical sense. And that put me back to a more sportive, uh, more motivated approach of um, practicing the cello yes so it's in in a way having to do something for for someone else or with the the clear idea that that it, it is needed and requested by by someone it's it's a way to to kind of come out of uh, um, the quarantine blues or, exactly uh... <laughs> so i think that is very very good to hear for for me at least and i probably for everyone that uh, you sort of go on um, with a very balanced life even even when what you usually put your entire life into um, kind of slows down very much um, which is the the concerts and this all this activity and of course as I know you as a friend for a while now and uh, I, I know you have a such a, a wide almost fascinating range of interests um even outside music um that um you know that makes any conversation with you uh, uh quite an experience so i i'm wondering if there's something um extra musical that that you have haven't had time to do before and that you uh went back to or started doing now well, I, I think um, most of all aspects related to, to the house, uh, to the home, I mean. And um, I don't know, that it's very, very banal or prosaic or in a way to just, yeah, but those very 
um, everyday related activities of cleaning your house and making it a bit nicer, maybe looking for some furniture or painting the kitchen, something like that felt very rewarding. And yes. maybe, maybe um, I try to have that mix of, or uh, that balance of some holistical musical activity, but not overdose it so that I feel like I'm just playing into the blue and and do some some things that just have a very uh, immediate impact on the daily life that's maybe anyway a, a problem it is exaggerated to call it a problem but when you practice you don't have the immediate evidence of of your work such this is why for example if i have a longer period of practicing at home i enjoy making a meal for lunch because you work on it with your hands and you immediately have the outcome and if you're practicing for a competition uh, as you know and then you're trying to uh, become fitter and and reach that uh, holy grail of perfection then going from 60 percent to 80 percent might be somehow easily noticeable and palpable but then getting from 90 to 91 percent will take much more hours than from 60 to 80 and you might just feel the effect of your work when you play on stage um, and you've despite the, the the stressful moment or with the, the difficulty of a piece or all the factors that come together you feel very very well prepared but so that means when you practice you're just as you know you're printing it into your body or the, the skill or how would you call it in english and yes, um, yes so those activities um, at home uh, i enjoyed it um, of course it is more time for for everything as everybody knows and sometimes it's a week that um, is dedicated to watching a couple of movies or reading some books, learning some new music on the instrument. So I'd say I try to have a good balance of um, activities. Yes, that, that, that's something that I've, I've long uh, thought very good. I, I don't always put it in practice, but this kind of balance between coming down from <laughs> the high spheres of, of trying to perfect uh, 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 a super complicated passage or something and and uh, working at it every day with the hope that you get one one small step closer to to the result and um, then you, you counterbalance that with a very concrete activity like like doing something around the house or or um, or cooking something and uh, that's a very good resume what i've been saying with too many words <laughs> <laughs> no but you <laughs> shared your experience uh, which is great to hear i will admit of course that i maybe in the beginning uh, of course the, the the impact of the, the it's now all present uh, subject was larger or I, I felt like i needed to to um, inform myself so there were there was a week or just maybe 10 days where I was 
rather excessively reading articles and watching documentaries on viruses and so um, that was a bit overwhelming actually and um, so I, I needed to also find a certain hygiene with or media and news and um, so I, I felt like the, of course as iPhone users know that it's one swipe to the left and then you have these news and I felt yes. uh, I, was, I was annoyed at some point by also the quality of news and, and the certain certain emotional I don't want to call it strategy but, but it impacts that it's of course had on all of us and so I tried then to, to have in general um, a good balance of all these things that can suddenly become excessive uh, with all the time that we suddenly have. I, I've gone through exactly the same thing and uh, the sort of, I was feeling angry and, and uh, confused and uh, afraid from, from all the, the news that often is contradictory news and um, so what, what is your news diet now? Do you, do you still read it sometimes or try to avoid it? I'd say that I've had um, maybe a good week of being more distanced uh, to the news, uh, letting go to a somehow optimistical uh, feeling that might also be related to the, the status of the the situation in the country and city that I live in, in Berlin. And of course, also the, you talk to friends and you're influenced even involuntarily, or if you don't read news by the atmosphere and the mood that the people around you have. And now maybe for the past two or three days, I've been starting to look actively a bit more and see what's going on. And um, so there is a couple of personal matters uh, that depend on the situation, such as getting married. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. um, now for the past uh, two days, I've been calling uh, police and uh, immigration and uh, health, uh, you say, ministry, and to, to find out what the status is in regard to a family maybe coming from Romania to Germany and uh, quarantine and such questions. And then again, it it had me again. Corona had me in its claws. Yes, yes. It, it is hard to plan ahead. And I'm wondering, because we live in different countries, um, is, are there any major differences um, in Germany? What is the situation now? And what is the... Um, future that uh, musicians are looking at is there any idea of that yet well as as you probably know and just in regards uh, to the numbers uh, we are it's rather lucky we're rather rather lucky in, in germany there's um, it's not so many infections as there are in great britain yes. for example and not so many people that uh, have uh, passed away because of that virus. So um, I one, one could say that uh, it feels and it actually has felt uh, not so uh, different to look outside the window and to walk on the streets. 
that might also be a particularity of Berlin. Maybe Berlin is a bit more rebellious, I don't know, compared to other German <laughs> cities. I know that in Munich, the city that I was born in, there were these fire trucks uh, passing the streets very slowly with um, announcements. And so that uh, George Orwell atmosphere was <laughs> very, very present. And here yes. the lockdown uh, is over. So, yeah, the, the shops are starting or, or are open again. Actually, I believe all, all kinds of stores are open and um, even restaurants open from tomorrow on uh, with, of course, really? all the uh, rules of uh, distance and hygiene and so did hairdressers and so restaurants will they had opened for takeaway for, for a couple of weeks already and now you can uh, actually go have yeah go eat in a restaurant from from tomorrow on and um of course for I, I, us I, wouldn't see, i wouldn't see that uh happening in london given how much smaller and more cramped uh, our restaurants are here but i i assume in in berlin which is generally more spacious Uh, you, you have the option to do that. <laughs> well, of course, uh, it's, it, you know there is. Um, uh, we've we've been together to that uh, Vietnamese um, restaurant called Monsieur Vuong in Berlin downtown. Yes. Uh, and um, excellent. So as may as maybe Vietnamese restaurants, you you sit. This is a, a place not to uh, not sit and talk for hours and. Uh, it's a rather come and go place so people also can sit around like a counter a bar and it's small tables with small chairs and um i've been talking to the owner the other day and they are they of course are aware that their restaurant is not built for that kind of uh organized uh distance eating so yes. of course they will be able to host much less people than they would usually do and uh, as a family or as a household you can sit at one table together but uh, of course if it's just one person uh, coming in the restaurant he will sit uh, alone at the table and um, yes we we will see how that goes so it's it's pretty much uh, life to back to no, sort of normal With... Sort of normal, of course, uh, as I don't need to tell you, for us musicians, it is uh, the most uh, maybe difficult to, to uh, we're in, in the kind of craft or, or work, uh, kind of work where it's very difficult to, to estimate and to imagine how going back to a concert life uh, might look like. So... Yes. Um, in that regard of course it's not it's far from normal and we cannot uh, rehearse as an orchestra and um, there are no no concerts of of course just uh, outside or streamed ones as all around the world so but um the for example the um, big seven orchestras in berlin they have um 
created a guideline together with the Charité Hospital, some professors, doctors, uh, virologists, uh, uh, in regard to how to uh, go back to working as musicians and how very specifically those rules of, of hygiene and distancing can be applied while playing sp specific instruments. Of course, as obviously you cannot play with a mask if you play an oboe. Uh, wind instruments <laughs> so um, there is now a very specific guideline and I feel like there is a, a certain positive and optimistic and uh, well uh, how should I say balanced pressure towards um, going finding a way to to going back to concert life then of course also Many financial aspects are related to it for organizers, for, you know, the Philharmonic Hall in Berlin that is being rented by uh, everyone else except the Berlin Phil will, right. uh, will have to be uh, filled with less people. And so the whole rentability will uh, be much less and... There's many questions, how to make smaller programs and repeat them for a, uh, like a changing audience. And I'm very much, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious and, and sometimes optimistic, sometimes a bit worried about how p people, how strongly people will feel about going uh, to concerts again. And I guess that also will depend a lot on how this somehow repaired and, and also uh, accompanied by the politics and the media. What, what do you think of this uh, flourishing of online streamings? Do you think there's something through the fact that they're, they're live, that there's some kind of uh, reminiscence of, of experiencing a live event? <laughs> um, I can see both sides. I, I agree that it's bad to have this inflationary or how should I say this in, yeah, overwhelming amount of, <laughs> of free uh, videos of people playing. And I, there, there's a couple of negative aspects to it. I must uh, very, might sound a bit uh, arrogant, but this is not uh, regard to others, also to myself. One has to ask oneself, do I really want to present myself uh, like this um, and there is a certain beauty I believe in the idea that the magician or the musician does not take the audience to the kitchen or to the to the yes, place where, exactly. the, where the trick is uh, being um, made and, and practiced and that's exactly um, what I was thinking because it seems that we've gone from an age where uh, there was a certain image of, of uh, the artist with, with some, some extreme cases, um, like thinking uh, uh, <laughs> Michelangeli type or people who would uh, not let uh, or very reluctantly let uh, cameras or anything like this into their life. And uh, now we've gone through to like um, this interest of videos of, of people practicing and I'm not sure I would be ready to, to give away that much. <laughs> yes, but on the other hand, um, I must admit that I see a certain beauty in that 
um, uh, equality of of chances and that kind of kind of fairness. Of course, if you already are very successful, then you already have a platform. But now, regardless of uh, how famous you are or are not famous, a musician um, that's had to stay at home now just had that that stage and the the harmonic hall wasn't open to anyone anymore so i believe yes. besides that um discussion and that very critical and philosophical <laughs> discussion about does it help or does it damage um, one also just needs to accept that people um, and us musicians, we wanted to find an activity and um, it was just an expression of, of uh, everyone felt that he, he can express himself and uh, discovered this opportunity of making a video and maybe it doesn't need to be always judged with such such severity in regard to the market and the business and the relevance of art and people um they just needed to to play and even if it was just for their colleagues or for their friends and put it on facebook and create that stage for themselves and i think yes. that in in its essence that was a beautiful uh, beautiful energy no i i agree with you yes that there there is a beauty in this and I've, I've certainly I've seen some videos that that actually made brighten my day. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're very touching, and uh, I believe exactly. you. I believe you've done something uh, along these lines. If is it? Um, are we allowed to mention it? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yes. What um, can can you tell us the um, the story of that a little bit? I've I've watched it. And I have to say it's it's a very touching. Oh, you mean that that little movie? Yes. yes. Well, that had had the history of first discovering a cappella in the in the early periods of this crisis. That um, playing with a couple of colleagues, we played some cello trio. That was the first thing. Then I recorded a trans Paganini transcription that I mentioned earlier, accompanying myself. And that had the challenge of playing these virtuoso variations in front of the camera, just in one take. And uh, mm. everyone knows that that's maybe the the most se severe ear is always the microphone. And uh, yes. then the next step was, okay, I can do more of these. And then also many people started to, to make such videos. And I felt that, okay, I've, been involved in the early period and I, I contributed and I also for my personal um, skills I, I took it to a certain I extended maybe the, the, the border a little bit and then I wanted that there might be a bit more to such a video than just the, the playing in front of the camera and I uh, wanted to create or to, to also reflect and show maybe the, the mood that is around making such such a um, uh, video. So it turned, also it, it was kind of on demand. That's another story that someone wanted me to create a little uh, video and it was a very free um, description of what it could uh, be. 
and it should reflect on the idea of how technology uh, can help or influences uh, music and music making. So basically, I did a little transcription of Schubert song, Du bist for four cellos and recorded that. And basically, that is the music that determines this little video that's maybe a little bit cheesy sometimes because, of course, it has some empty images of, of deserted Berlin and I'm walking a bit through the city um, in, in this kind of atmosphere and I'm coming home and I'm starting to record and I'm sending this little video out to a couple of friends that are watching this um, online on their computers and as this little movie ends uh, with them suddenly all being uh, in my apartment listening to me. It's a couple of seconds at the end of the video and then after a general pause in this Schubert song, when I continue playing, they're all gone again. So it's, it's everyone can understand this uh, a bit maybe metaphorically that um, it is maybe the nicest after all to have people around you and play for them, maybe I was imagining it. Maybe they were there, but then they're not there anymore. So it's, the idea was to somehow also express this thought of what does this mean playing just for the for the camera without mm. words. So that that is that little movie. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll, I'll post a link to that because I think exactly <laughs> if if we were in a in a video, you'd point up with your finger to the right corner of the image and said, "I'm linking the video to you guys up here." Exactly, <laughs> yes. But since we're uh, old-fashioned uh, <laughs> and uh, reviving the radio talk show, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that 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 video also, in fact, b brings up the the other side, the the beautiful side of of this uh uh idea of of streaming that is pretty much uh, all we can do now i for example in, there is a german uh, comedian and he's also a musician that uh, already as a teenager i discovered and listened to a lot his name is helge schneider he's a great improviser he plays multiple instruments he's a jazz pianist and he has a very nonsensical dadaistic way of storytelling and uh, very particular um mm -hmm. humor he also wrote a couple of absurd uh, uh novels and uh, absurd movies and he's a very creative person that um you know and there is like a, the theater that presents such uh, artists in berlin and he would uh, fill that hall for 28 shows in a row. So um, wow. he, he would not expect this when you, when you see, when you hear also his songs and this very, as I said, uh, absurd humor of his. And uh, a few days ago, he um, made a statement, unusually uh, serious in his way of talking and and he said that he is not going to perform uh, in any way if it will be with social distancing rules. He will not perform in front of cars, not in front of people sitting two meters apart, nor wearing um, masks. And he said that yes. uh, his 
um, his artistic work uh, depends on the presence and the, the uninhibited, the true presence of people and an audience. And unless until the, that can not happen again, he will not perform. And uh, even with the risk that he will never perform ever again. And he's 65 now and he could retire if he wants, he says. But uh, right. he, he doesn't because he's an artist, but in under these circumstances, he won't perform. Found mm. that to be also a very, um, regardless of what one thinks of it, it's, it was a very powerful way of truly having a, a very clear view and position on this on this subject. Yes. So of course, it's it's always uh, there's also a lot of. The, the, the existential urge, the, the need to, to make a living and all, all of that pushes uh, many people. And, you know, we, we can uh, develop this uh, Stockholm uh, syndrome. Uh, it's so beautiful to play for the microphone. And so, of course, there can be something very positive discovered and many things have advantages and disadvantages, of course. But... Um, then again, we are a bit maybe in danger to to keep telling ourselves how nice this is, and if uh, this way of smart smart teaching, smart playing uh, gets so excessive, then we we might uh, people might come to the conclusion: oh, you can just stay at home and order your food at home, and uh, the, your kids will go to school. Uh, by their computers and this is how you listen to music and then I believe a very essential part of, of human life is being lost but I also believe that it cannot be lost and people will always uh, feel the need of interaction and shared experiences absolutely um, do you do you teach your students on uh, on zoom or have Conservatories reopened now. Um, I right now I don't. Uh, I'm not in the teaching in the conservatory, so I've had some private students in the past months that uh, I was t teaching occasionally before some competitions or uh, auditions. But uh, in this period, I haven't uh, taught anyone by uh, or via Zoom or Skype or anything like that. So. You're you're the one that has to describe me that experience. Yes, well, it's it's certainly it's better than nothing. But um, well, I do think that a, a a positive possible positive outcome of this might be that we, as a the world, we realize that some jobs maybe can be done from home, or don't necessitate so much traveling, uh, which would be uh i suppose good good for the planet and good for the people who will have more time with their families in this way but th there yes, are there are certainly the things that uh cannot be replicated uh, and of course you can tell someone more on zoom than <laughs> by not teaching them at all but uh, it is um it's not uh, well. It's it, it depends. It depends. It can 
have some advantages if you have a recording from someone and, and listen in advance and then you give them some pointers if it's the kind of student who can take in a few ideas and then work on them. Uh, but uh, it's often teaching is not only about that. It's, it's about uh, reacting to the, there needs to be a more accurate feedback. But yes, uh, I think that I think that um, right now a lot of that online activities they're basically based on some relationships that uh, have been already established in person. So. Um, I, I dare to make this assumption. I, I suppose also that you have you taught people now for the first time just online? No, I, I can't imagine actually starting with someone. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I mean. So uh, it's of course that also is possible, uh, but um, of course, yes, yes. I I think that I'm, I'm, you've asked this and in, in Germany, uh, indeed, um, conservatories are going back to to teaching well that's that's one good sign yes especially yeah. now this is that's the 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 one part of um, classical music world which is also very uncommon people who have never been in touch with music students they're very surprised that you will study something at the university and will have a lesson just with your professor one-on-one -on -one and no one else that's uh, the moment that uh, will benefit because obviously there's so few people involved and you can easily keep a distance and fresh air in a room and some basic simple rules of hygiene will keep everyone safe and you you are there and hearing things uh, with your own ears and not with microphones and speakers in between yes i, I do agree with you coming back to your point that i hope we, we don't get so used to this that we actually find it more comfortable because i i think i'm speaking for myself as an audience member uh i'm a different person uh in a concert hall than I am on, on, on an armchair listening to, to YouTube and, uh, or, or absolutely not to mention as a performer, I'm <laughs> a very different person. I, I, I feel particularly, that's why I, I'm very, you see, maybe this is where my bias comes from because I, I, I really feel very constricted in, in front of the camera as opposed to in front of people. <laughs> Uh, yes, absolutely. The the audience gives you a lot of energy, and this is why I believe so often as musicians we experience that we play even better or the best in the performance and not in the rehearsal and not at home. And there is, of course, many many forces and factors involved psychological, chemical ones, what's happening in the body when you're facing this amount of people. And um, so this is also why there are the stories of famous uh, pianists, old fashioned pianists that uh, for their recordings uh, came wearing a tuxedo just to, to create a little bit of that, that festive uh, atmosphere, which is so difficult to create when you're starting at nine o'clock in the morning to record. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. 
Yes, yes. That's uh, I know a couple of uh, stories um, from from recording engineers. There's a list of people who would uh, help themselves also with the clothes they're wearing. <laughs> to get in yes, the it makes sense. How how do you feel when when you're recording? You have quite a few CDs already uh, out. I do uh, love the recording process, I must say, and um, I just I, I like how in the recording we have this um, amount of time, a couple of days that are truly dedicated to nothing else but. Um, playing the music and um, it, it gets me into a, a very very motivated and fulfilled uh, state of mind um, even though the, uh, the the audience is absent but um, also if it is with um, especially in a recording with duo with a pianist who, who might be a friend and then there is a certain intimacy that's that it creates a special uh, atmosphere for the music to evolve even without uh, audience um yes but you always have the um, the producer who's a, a kind of an audience absolutely that that is true and uh, also i believe that uh, recording engineers that are very experienced and still yeah that have dealt with uh, dealt with many musicians um they're very good psychologists and the ones that the, I appreciate a lot, they're also very, uh, I don't want to call them invisible, almost invisible, but so they, they, they are able to, to create an atmosphere for you where you, you can freely play and, and develop and not feel like someone is sitting there counting uh, wrong notes. Yes, yes, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Do you get interested um, in the technical side of it, or you would you rather not know what's going on? As everyone probably now these the weeks, I've I've got involved a little bit into into the technical part of it, and maybe I'm not uh, terribly untalented. Uh, but also, there is a limit to my uh, to how interested I can get. So, um, if I I know that there is people who have done this all their lives, and uh, I'd rather trust them if it comes to um, re recording a CD. But um, like right now, this one one notices. Uh, the technology is very advanced and uh, many things now can be done with less, much less effort and way easier than uh, many, many or years ago when just already the, the size of, of equipment was a completely different one. So yes. um, I, I like to, I, I also, if it comes to, um, how do you say a car a mechanic I, I'll find it interesting to, yes. to, to, to just know a little bit some basics of what he's there doing so uh, but of course I won't try to fix an engine <laughs> <laughs> no 
how how is your car going by the way um i actually just uh, before um talking to you i checked the oil and the tire pressure before uh, driving to my parents later this afternoon in, in southern germany in bavaria but uh, this was a very uh, really pretty moment when uh, in the first month of the pandemic and the shutdown i hadn't used it at all and um, mm. i went to check in the garage it's like a open garage with parking the decks or how do you say with many many cars and yes um, i went there and there were so many uh, saw something was on the car like the branches and and uh, leaves and i looked at the car i saw in the first <laughs> seconds i was worried it might have been damaged but i looked at some what, what was on the car and it took me a few seconds to look up and there was a pigeon who had made a big nest oh. on, to on top of the car. I will send you a picture. And um, the pigeon was looking at me very attentively with these very open eyes and just very full concentrated on, on how do you say in English, breeding the, 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 or the eggs. The, Yes, and then watching your what what your next move is going to be. <laughs> exactly. So that it, goes that goes with the, the dolphins in Venice, I guess, on a smaller scale. But how nature takes returns uh, takes its back its its space. <laughs> yes, nature returns to our cities. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking to me, Mihai and good um, luck with everything to you too let's we will stay optimistic and and motivated as far as possible and i can't wait uh, to the moment when we'll be reunited with so many of our friends uh, either by the occasions of concerts or parties or whatever it will be and I am hoping that this moment of playing also concerts with orchestras and, and for, for crowds might be truly overwhelmingly um, blissful and, and happy to, to all of us. And so that's something I'm keeping as a silver lining um, in my perspective. It sounds great. I'm. I, I will be. I will be looking forward to that moment too. And to eat at Monsieur Wong in Berlin that we have mentioned earlier. Of course. That's. Let's plan that as soon as possible. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Quarantine Notes. The podcast is now available on Apple and Google Podcasts. So if you'd like to hear more conversations like this, please subscribe. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit my Patreon page.